Welcome to Ontario Outdoor Pursuit, your total Ontario hunting podcast. This podcast is brought to you in part by Titanium Archery Products. TAP specializes in vibration control and enhances in the stabilization for your archery equipment. Use code Ontario Outdoor Pursuit, no capitals, all one word, to get 15% off your order. This podcast also endorses a healthy living made from our friends at Kickaboo Spices, locally made in Ontario for hunters by hunters to help you enjoy all your wild game meats. Use Kicka OOP for 10% off of your next order. No, I'm dead serious, man. That's what it says. What does it say? Okay, I guess we're recording. So, basically, we're doing a bunch of listener questions tonight, right, Cameron? Right. And we are just kind of going over what some people have said so far. And the first one asked us to talk about celebrity gossip. Hold on. Did anyone ask us to talk about like Nestle the, Turtles? Like the the animal? Like the, the type of candy chocolate that I'm now going to take into the tree stand with me. Uh, no, but aren't those, like, left over from Halloween? No. Okay, just checking. These are a brand new box. Just checking. No, you can't have um, any. Cameron, why don't you start with some celebrity gossip? Mm. Kanye. What about Favorite. Him? Okay. Absolute clown. Haven't heard anything gossipy about him. Yeah, well, that's good, because it's about time we don't hear anything about him. Heard he was on the JRE. Joe Rogan Going experience. to be. Going to be is I correct. think they recorded it, but they haven't uploaded it. Well, Jerry's got to get on that shit. Oh. Okay, I guess we should talk some hunting shit. All right, let's do it. Okay, so first uh, first question, I guess technically second, but Northwear Jigs, uh, impact that predators have towards deer herds. Um, this is an interesting one, I think. I think it was a great one. I think that predators have the same impact to deer um, just as much as hunters do, um, especially from a daylight point of view. I think we put on just as much press pressure as predators do. Predators are naturally there. So I've seen, uh, you know, I, I watched monitored four bucks all summer and through to the end of December. Those bucks all got along. Well, maybe not got along, but lived with two coyotes in the area. And that, you know what I mean? Like yeah. the coyotes live there, the bucks live there. So yeah. I, I think coyotes kind of get a bad rap. There's some guys out there that are like, coyotes are the worst thing ever. They murder deer, like basically they're saying they can demolish a whole population, which is yeah. kind of true in some scenarios, but for sure. But they're not they're, like they're there coyotes for... aren't wiping out no. 10 deer. I think they have to be there for a healthy population. Absolutely. Like, so I, I think coyotes kind of get a bad rap. I love shooting coyotes. And I guess one thing to that would be number of tags handed out. So, I mean, if you're, if you're hunting a property that's got, you know, two shooter bucks and maybe two, my favorite is this, what, what the United States people like to call cull bucks in the area and you've got say 20 30 does well that's not a very good herd ratio so those coyotes actually might be you know doing more good than what we actually get for tags yep. because we're very limited to how many tags we can have right uh talking about cold deer we never brought up the guy from texas no that was just great so let's let's so chat on that last or two, that's what made was, me think of it i was just yeah. like oh cold bucks was that two weeks ago now yeah so two weeks ago when we were at the 2019 eta show um we ran into a guy the first day <laughs> we were all sitting there around the table eating breakfast before the show opened and he's like oh you know start talking hunting stories and anyways from texas and he's talking about how he you know he got some cold deer this year and did you not think he was like the most safari looking dude, the way he was dressed? Oh, dude, that guy could have ran an African safari <laughs> hunt. He totally looked like it. He had the perfect cap on. He had a nice. He had the brown, safari shirt. Safari shirt. Yeah. He probably had safari shorts on. I didn't get as far as looking there, but I, I, I you saw did. you take a peek. Uh, he might have had them then. I don't know. <laughs> um, but anyway, so yeah, we were chit chatting, and he's like, oh, yeah, I took a basket eight 
And we're like, oh, okay, like, uh, bad genes. He's like, oh, you know, it's two years old. Like, what? He's like, yeah, at a year and a half, you can tell if it's going to be a bad buck. And we're like, a a, a one and a half year old had eight points and you thought it was bad genes? Even two and a half. They said if it's got, if it could be a 10 pointer, if those antlers are inside of the ears, they they consider that a cold buck at two and a half years, that thing's done. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen trail cam photos of like deer that have, you know, four points at two and a half years old and then they just blow up and it would massive eight pointer. Yeah, like, I, I was blown away by that. I think we all sitting down. We're pretty yeah, blown all of us were sitting it. there going, "Oh, okay, yeah, yeah like, that's interesting." I want to know James's real opinion on that because that. Oh, was, I'm sure he, he was, was just not, like, like even at two and a half. I'm sure it's not PG appropriate. Well, you, like you've just said, you know, you've seen already on your own trail cameras, yeah. you know, a buck that's an eight point, or for example, that one behind you there, like to that guy at ATA, that would have been a cold buck, hundred percent, right? Like it's barely just outside of the ears. But that was maybe two and a half, three and a half years old. Yeah. That buck would have not lasted for there for sure. No. It was it was just an interesting thing. We got a bunch of listener questions tonight, by the way. That's so. good. Did we really answer uh the jig? The jig? Did we answer his uh question regarding the impact to- that predators have towards your herds? Yeah, I think Is there anything you wanted to Yeah, I guess kinda like final summary. Um I think if you have too many predators, absolutely it's gonna be bad for your deer herd. And at the same time if you have no predators as much as you want to have a lot of deer, you don't because genes, like bad genes can go around quicker. Disease can mm-hmm. go around quicker. Food's harder to get. Mm-hmm. Worse, you kind of want like a manageable amount. And I mm-hmm. think predators play an important part to that. Yeah, I guess in that sense too. If you're yeah. got, if you after a buck because you got a buck tag and all you see is 30 does all season, yeah. well, that's great. You've seen 30 deer, but you got, you got so many does in there that, you, yeah, it's, it's hard to bring in one of those bucks because it's pretty easy pickings for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you might get lucky during the rut, but for mm-hmm. the normal part of the year, you're probably not going to be in good shape. Yeah, so hopefully that answers this question. Yeah. This is the Dawn Sauce. Dawn Sauce. Pretty awesome name. What's up, I, brother? I would say that's uh, Dawn. That's pretty close to Donlin, if I didn't know any better. What's up, brother? And I mean that in a literal sense. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, your little brother. Uh, hunting on a budget and finding the right people to hunt with. Well, first off, you got to get your hunting license. So in, in the Don Sauce's case, got to get a license. The budget, <laughs> you need to budget in the license factor. Yeah, after that, after that for him, it's just, it's budgeting with hand-me-downs. He gets hand-me-downs. Okay, so the one shirt that you don't wear anymore. Yeah, exactly. Um, so for everyone else, how would you, like, if you had to set a budget, I'm thinking like, you know, what would you put the most money towards, like hunting in general? I'd say boots. I would say boots. Uh, camo is not a necessity. No, camo is not a necessity. Something you could totally pick up at Value Village, Goodwill. Yeah. Um, I guess in in the point of like if you're going to do it with archery, I'd look at a secondhand bow myself. Yep. Um, and then there's there's people that you can talk to. You know, uh, you and I are I think fairly helpful, and we even gone to a lot of the guys we shoot Thursday night league with, um, and asked them, and a lot of them have worked for a store in London. Yep. And you know, we've asked for a lot of their opinion on stuff. So if you're going to buy a secondhand site, for example, you know, ask someone what their thoughts are on it. Ask someone educated and hopefully they can help you out. But I would look at secondhand equipment. And to add to that, I think that's a great idea. And to add to it, because of your scenario, I would say make sure you can see the secondhand item in person. Absolutely, yeah. Or bring, I, I, and if you don't know what you're buying, bring someone yeah. who does. Yeah, there might be something that's just so tough to get your hands on or in, in that case that um, that Sherlock site that's yeah. 
that you, the lethal weapon is a hard sight to get your hands on. A lot of places are sold out of them. They don't make them anymore. Yeah. I don't think we ever touched up on what happened there. No, basically I got that lethal weapon. Uh, it was a five pin sight and had to send it back to the sender after some riff raft due to it not even coming with half the parts that it should have. So yeah. it got sent back, but again, you know, it was on, it was on me. It was something I was, I really liked that site, uh, have for a while. Yeah. And obviously t- some of my top, uh, people that I look up to both shoot that site or did in their past years. So it was something I wanted to get my hands on and yeah, I learned from it. Yep. Finding the right people to hunt with. Well, I think, uh, basically it comes down to hunting with them and seeing how it goes. Mm-hmm. Like I'll hunt with anyone once mm-hmm. and then you kind of get a feel for them and you know, if it's a buddy that you've known prior to hunting, then I mean, it's probably pretty easy to tell how they're going to be hunting. Cause yeah. I don't think hunting, you're that much more different in the field, but I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough to find people to hunt with. And it's tough to find the right people to hunt with, right? So yeah, everyone's got a different. Um, it's like date. It's like dating a girl. You got to experiment. You got to find the right one. If the first one's not good enough, you got to you got to move on and find another one. Let me ask you this: Do you live by this analogy? This is a PG show, Cameron. <laughs> I live by that analogy. <laughs> uh, yeah, you just got to find the right one and move on. If it doesn't work out, and no hard feelings, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're I talking guess about and, dating right now, right? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd say that sums that up. John Mc. Oh, wait, I always McClellan. Screw, yeah. See, I always screw up his last name. That's not hard. Damn it, John. I'm sorry. Uh, spring bear hunting gear and tips. Well, let's Ooh. do a little uh, breakdown. So gear, we're obviously we're always bow hunting for bear. So obviously our bows are going to be there. Um, you and I have kind of indulged in the new world of camo this year. Or sorry, last year I should say we got our new hands on the Strata gear by True Timber, so obviously we're going to bring our full True Timber setup. Uh, the one thing new we did get was the climbing sticks for the tree stands. Mm-hmm. It's going to make putting up tree stands a little bit faster. Mm-hmm. I like those so much more than pegs. I think you're in the same boat. Yeah. You know, like other than that, I think your normal hunting boots that we use, your normal, I I use the same broadheads for deer that I will use for bear. Yeah. Anything else really stand out for gear that? Um, I, I guess it kind of depends where you're going hunting. Obviously, yeah. um, an ATV or a, a UTV of some sort could be real handy. Um, if you're getting, getting a bear that's, you know, upward of 300, 600 pounds, somewhere in that range, it's going to be quite tough to drag it out, especially if he runs to, uh, you know, an opening where a swamp may be or something like that. So that could really help you just get it out. Um, a trailer, it's nice to lug all your stuff there and uh tree stands tree stands i i would say that you know if you're i guess we could get into uh some of the tips there so i would bring a few tree stands i usually try and bring three stands when we go give me a little opportunity to go throughout the property find a few spots that i like more noticeable areas where there might be more scat there could be more berries if there's already a set up barrel um, it's always obviously great if you could have someone bait it for you or if you're in close proximity that you could bait it a week in advance it'd be ideal but i mean we do it on you know we go up and we we put bait out on the first night and then we set up camp yeah and i think spring obviously being you know bears are coming out of hibernation they're they're going to be getting into being hungry and then uh food food sources so uh, baiting i think is going to be your your number one tactic for those Al- Alberta guys, I actually don't know <clears throat> the season on uh, Alberta bear hunts. Um, but for a spot in stock, obviously looking over 
food sources and water sources. Fish are going to be uh, a, a high, very high on the food chain for bears. So um, as far as tips go, those are just some of the things that I kind of go by. I always like doing it on a whim. When we go up and we, we set our bait and set up camp, it, it's kind of like, you know what, we're, we're just entering on their schedule you know, not really much is changing for them. And we're just really hoping that they're there. And in that sense, like we don't, we don't really have cameras out for, you know, weeks on end or someone there doing the work for us. It's just, it's just what we put into. Right. And Mm -hmm. we, we manage the time We're we're average guys and we manage the time that we have. Mike Clem. I think this is a great question. Uh, too much tech in the woods and where do you draw the line? Like ozonics, uh, cell cameras, range finding sites, crossbows, baits, I draw my line at a range finding site. I think <laughs> I'm just putting that <laughs> yeah, out there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, no, I think there's there is a thing that's too much tech in the woods, right? I mean, Ozonics, I think, is a great idea. I don't think you're being too techy. Range finding site, I get it. It's, you know, it's convenient because you don't have to pull out a range finder or anything like that. But I don't know. I just uh, that's kind of my line. I think personally, it's just I think too many things can go wrong with a range finding site. Yeah, I'm gonna be on that same boat there. Yeah, I, and I mean, when you start charging you know, like $1,000 for a site, like, I, I just don't see the point in it. When you can get into a whole setup of, you know, something else, you know, it could be a lot more reliable. Yeah. Uh, now, I've never played with that $1,000 Garmin or whatever, no. but Garmin does make great products. Yeah. I just, yeah, that that's not one for me. Yeah. Um, I... <clears throat> one that I always think is mandatory is a... A, a regular range finder. That's, yeah, absolutely. That's and, definitely I don't, one I won't ever get rid of my No, pocket. and I don't think that's crossing the line. No. Nope. I think that's you know going to aid you anything. There's a few things uh, like Hunter's Cloak. These guys have got a super cool product out right now, um, and this it really helps with scent control, mm-hmm. and it can also eliminate spending 20 bucks on a bottle of spray or 15 bucks on a bottle of urine you know, and going through it after one use, right? You know, you look at buck bomb, it's like point downward and spray for 90 seconds to empty the bottle. Okay. Well, 90 (laughs) seconds, there goes 10 bucks, right? So you look at these refillable packs from Hunter's Cloak and you recharge their units, their refillables are nine bucks. And these you can have burning for hours. They're giving off the same kind of scents, pine, you know, woods, cedars, and then they have the dough urine and all that stuff. So even that I don't think is really too much. Ozonics, super cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, Buddy is just getting into them, and I'm excited to see what next year brings, how yeah. he likes that. But uh, pricing. Pricing, obviously, is going to be, seems to be the most expensive thing. Ozonics, 400 bucks. Garmin yeah. Rangefinder side, 1000 bucks. Now, do you think there's anything that stands out for being, like, way too high-tech? Definitely hunting? the range-finding site, yeah. I think. Anything yeah, else kind of pop out in your head? Not really. Yeah. I mean, it's... Everyone's bringing a lot of tech in because we're trying to all get footage of it, right? So yeah, there's there is too much tech, but yeah. I guess it's what what do you draw the line at? What works for you? I, I think like a thermal scope would be another line. Like yeah, if someone I, got their hands on a is thermal there something sc- like that out there. I think there is. There's gotta be. I know there's night vision scopes. A lot of guys do the night hog hunts yeah. in the states. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I just there's something about shooting at night. Again, to me, that's like that's featured to a certain kind of hunt. Agreed. Right. So I, 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 even that, I don't think is crossing the line. I don't know. It's just, a, I think it's just a personal thing, though, right? It like, is. It there's definitely nothing ethically, right? Even ethics is a personal thing, I suppose. But should be practiced with everyone. Yeah. I just, uh, I don't know. Just the rain, the night thing, and the thermal thing. I think it's just a little bit too far in my eyes. 
I don't think there should be like an industry standard of, oh, electronics. That's, you know, that's too much. You shouldn't use that. If people no. are starting to bash people, it's like the, oh, you shot a six point. Oh, you know, you should be only shooting 10 points. Yeah. Right. Like to me, that's how I look at that. No, that's fair. It's just, you know, personally, I think certain thing like, you know, John said, is there anything that we think has gone too far for gadgets? And just the range finding just sites. Range finding sites, yeah, just over the top for me. Not yeah. really necessary. Nope. Price point stupid, and those other couple things I mentioned. But I mean, other than that, I think I don't think it's not like we're at the point of like, oh, there is one thing I just remembered. Let's hear it. Do you know what the Burris Eliminator is? I know what Burris is. I don't know of the Eliminator. Okay, so <clears throat> so scope company, right? Glass yep. company. They make a scope called the Eliminator, and basically, it's set up to your ballistics. So let's just say you have like. A giant mule deer 700 yards away yeah you take your crosshair you put it on his vitals at 700 yards you hit the button and it uh ranges it for you it tells you 700 yards and then it calculates where on the scope you have to aim so it'll tell you exactly where to aim that's that's intense it's intense there's only one item worse than that i can't remember the name but there's a scope and gun combo it's all coming back to me now but basically there's a scope and gun combo out there and same scenario, you know, 700-yard mule deer. You take your crosshair, you put it on its vital, and you peg it. Basically, it lets you set an exact point on that deer, and it recognizes what that point is. So then you, when you get off the deer, you pull the trigger and you hold it, and that gun doesn't go off. It only goes off until it senses that it's on the exact same spot on that deer that you chose. Yeah, that's too far. That's, you know, that's ridiculous. Yeah. I think that's too far as well. Like, that's... Yeah. Like, because really, it would still require some sighting in and some practicing if you never used it. Right. I wouldn't know what the hell I was doing with it. No, but I, I think that's like you're taking away from marksmanship. Sure, absolutely. You, I think anyone can sight their gun in, but no, that's one that's too far for sure. Yeah. Drewski eleven oh eight getting bows across the border super easy. Yeah. Uh, we did it for a Reinhardt tournament, and basically, when they say, "Do you have anything to declare?" You say, "We got some archery equipment. Uh, we have three bows in the back of the truck." Just going to do this. Okay, cool. Not a problem. Never had an issue with it. You know, even firearms, bringing firearms into the States was super easy with Moose Camp. Just like six months prior, you fill out a form online, send it back. They give you a seal on it, send it back, you print it out. And then when you go to the board, you're like, oh, I have these guns, piece of paper, they're good to go. Yeah, a lot of people uh, just immediately assume that it's a pretty difficult process. Like, you know, if you've got, if you're a hunter and you have all your licensing, you do the proper paperwork, it's a cakewalk. Yeah. Um, do you want to hear a funny story? I do. So, and this is true. Not sure if everyone else wants to. Though. No, no, it's it's it's, it's related. Funny. It's, it's related really funny. and funny. So you can legally import ammunition. If I don't laugh at it, then it means it's not funny at all. It's pretty funny. You can legally import ammo from the states into Canada. Right. You cannot legally export ammo from the states into Canada. So if you get caught in the states driving with ammo, you're screwed. But once you get to the border, if they're like, "Oh, do you have anything?" You're like, "Oh yeah, I got like." 200 rounds of ammo. They're like, oh, okay, welcome home. But if you get caught in the States driving around with it, you're done. Yeah. Explain that to me. Really? Yeah, I was reading an article uh, a couple days ago about it. I don't know if we should be giving out those tidbits. (laughs) (laughs) Sudden breakthrough. Sarnia Bridge is now shut down to exportation of ammunition. (laughs) Well, we can bring it in, (laughs) but apparently we can't drive around with it. That's crazy. I did not know that. It's weird because they, like, contradicted each other. Absolutely. Um, so next question is, please, Drewski also asked 3d shoots, uh, we're going to talk Ontario and I think the close ones in the States. Yeah. So if you've never done a 3d shoot, 
Uh, easiest way is go on the OAA, which is the Ontario's Archers Association's website. And every year they'll post a tournament list. And it'll say, you know, if it says open, then obviously it's free for all to enter. Or, sorry, it's it, there's like a fee involved, but yeah. you can enter it. And so, like, last Most year... Most of them are 20 bucks tops if yeah. it's open to public shoot. So we went to... There's one in uh, Dorchester. There's one in Woodstock. There's one in Thamesford. Yeah. And, That's uh, the one at FCA. Yep. And then there's one in Chatham. Uh, those are the ones I have memorized off the top of my head. Chatham's a pretty cool one because I think that one is like their annual cancer uh, cancer shoot or something like that. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Um, we just didn't make it out to that one last year. but No. As far as Ontario, you're right. That is go to the OAA website. Yeah. It's super simple to find all uh, those. And other than that, uh, the, you know, the fun shoots in the States, which are like the bigger ones. Yeah. Uh, the Reinhardts. Yeah, these ones are just close, right? Like, there's yeah. so many out there, but you're right. The Reinhardt is super close to being in Saginaw. Yeah, and... Uh, Boy Mountain. Boy Mountain, which is... Total Archery Total Challenge. Total Challenge, right. So that'll be the other cool one that we're going to do this year. That one's a little bit more of a venture. It's about five and a half hours yeah. uh, north of the border. Yeah, and I think that those are super cool shoots to go to. And all you got to do is just register for them. Mm-hmm. You know, they each got websites to go to. Um, and you just got to take care of getting there. Yeah, getting there and usually camping. Sometimes camping is, uh, you know, presented by the facilities. So, mm, Like the Saginaw one was free. Yeah. So, uh, Chops Outdoors. Hey, buddy. How do you pick your tree stand location? Ooh. Uh, biggest things, I suppose. Get me excited already. Uh, I think, like, it's a mixture of everything, right? But I, mean, I don't put mine up until probably September. I just, mm-hmm. I monitor, monitor, monitor until... Until I've seen some sort of pattern throughout the summer, I know you know if they're if they're constantly coming back through a certain trail to a watering spot. If we're you know we're on the topic of whitetail, or they're they're picking a bean field over a cornfield, you know that's something I'm looking for too. Obviously, if they're they want to be in a bean field all summer, I might not just jump and sit at the edge of the cornfield, right? Like yeah. I'm, I'm going to go to the bean field. That's so. what I was going to say. Heavy traveled areas. Yeah, heavily uh, traveled areas. Waters definitely. always. If you can cut them off between bedding, food, and water sources, then you're definitely going to be on it. There's it, it's funny to me when you hear someone that you know they've been hunting for ten years, never shot a never shot a deer. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm hoping that it's just because they didn't have the right tag. But otherwise, you know, there's a lot of deer around. If you're just if you follow those simple things, you're going to see deer. Yeah, trail corridors like if they're trail cameras help you amazingly. Yeah. Like, and that's trail. not cheating. That's another one, I guess, that could fall under the text. Some it people could, aren't, aren't for it. But I, I, yeah, even cellular cameras, like, you know, he mentioned. Yeah. Cell cameras, I think they're awesome. Except Absolutely. they're just not really affordable until now. Well, I'm 45 minutes from one of my properties, and it would be nice to know if that buck was there in the morning. So, you know, when I go out at night, hopefully, if I can see that. Well, if I've been after a target buck for five years, I, I want to, you know, that's just helping me out. Well, I put in the time, the money, the effort. And you know that you're going to get messages while you're at work saying that giant deer is underneath the tree stand. Yeah, so if you've had a very bad day, then you're going to see that, and it's going to make your day even worse. <laughs> so, yeah, sorry, back to chaps. Yeah, I, I think those are big ones, you know, travel corridors, water. Um, don't pick like, a tree that's on, like, a 45. Don't pick a rotten tree, too. Yeah, that's, don't do that. That's also a good one. Uh, height's a good one. Yeah. I liked, I think both of us kind of agree you kind of want to be in concealment. Yeah. Like, you're not going to be 10 feet off the ground where there's nothing. Yeah. But, uh... I like the 15 to 20. Right in that range is 
is perfect. I love it. Yeah. No, it's I not think too high. It doesn't change. You know, if you got something walking under you, you're not shooting directly down. That's an awkward shot. If you're a 25 foot guy up in the tree, and yeah. you got to shoot directly under you. Yeah. No, it's, it's definitely, it comes into play. So then we have grand river fowl, uh, spring waterfowl season. So that's going to be the late goose season and snow season, actually. The snow geese, not here in London. We don't ever get snow geese, really. But we do get a late season because in Ontario, you could hunt late season waterfowl for the duration of that hunt as long as you can. your area does not allow Sunday gun hunting. If your area does allow Sunday gun hunting, then you cannot hunt that late season week. But uh, So that's coming up. I mean, you know, super cool thing about that is it's going to be kind of the same thing as most goose hunting scouting concealment shoot them make some food so i think that's you know that's something that people should look forward to if unfortunately if they live in an area where sunday gun hunting is allowed then you know it's not going to hurt you to go for a little drive and uh you know maybe you can find a place close to you that allows you to hunt that late season sugar shane cameron it's uh coyote hunting coyote hunting Late season goose and shed hunting. Uh, we don't have covered late season goose. We already did that. So, yeah. uh, so basically, shed antler hunting and coyote. Well, I'd like to say I'm really good at shed hunting, but I'm not. Um, so, I like to give my deer uh, some sort of food source supplement uh, throughout the winter to kind of help them. If there's 13 inches of snow on the ground, it's very tough for them to find any sort of you know, leftover wheat or corn. So, um, you know, that's one way you can do it. Some people are making the antler traps. I don't think I'm fond of those. No, I don't really like the idea. There's one that I did actually see yesterday or today, and it was super cool, super simple. Basically, it was like pine trees, and this guy had made this, the, this pine tree little cover, stacked it up about two feet, and then it was just, you know, on top had the thicker pine branches. Right. And then put the food in the center of, like, say, this three-foot or this two-foot hole so that the buck's got to bury his face in there. And it just kind of roughs up the top of his head for the antlers just to kind of crack loose. To me, that's okay. Nothing's going to get stuck. And, you know, <laughs> I'm sure many bucks have walked around with twigs and sticks yeah. in their antlers, so that's okay. But the, yeah, I don't those like the wire bar- in the boxes, I, was just gonna say, I, don't I don't like those. I don't like the barbed wire ones. You yeah. see videos of giant bucks walking around with barbed wire attached everywhere on their yeah. head. I, I don't like the idea of that. If you uh, if you monitor your deer all year and you know where those deer are traveling in up to these winter months, obviously you're going to be one step ahead in the game for shed hunting. But, yeah, mm-hmm. it's just putting on a lot of miles. Yeah, glassing just, is huge oh yeah it's hard it's hard when the whole thing's covered in snow mm-hmm. to glass i think but once the little bit of the snow first melts end of february is my favorite time yeah a nice dull kind of day not sunny because it just it yeah. beams off your glass so if, if you got a nice dull day and if you got a dog that can shed hunt that's amazing yeah that's because that makes your life a lot easier i would never take my dog out shed hunting no your dog would probably try to eat a tree yeah he would yeah. literally he would just yeah. start chowing down on some bark or like a coyote, or like pretend we had wolves yeah, and there's wolves be here. Scared. Or he'd be like, "Hi, friend." Yeah, he would just want to make friends. <laughs> um, last listener question of the day: Why does Cam post pictures of coffee every day? I love coffee. Okay, is that from Devin? Beatty? That is from shrimps. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. I just love coffee, and I really love coffee in these new OOP mugs. Ooh, Ooh. those are out there. Spoiler. I don't know if you saw. 
the guys who wrote in questions, the background was an OOP mug. Yes. So thank you to everyone that wrote in those questions. Um, mugs can be coming at you after we do some, some testing here. I want to make sure that these things are good, that they're living up to a good quality. So if they're in your hands, you're going to be sipping Java for a while out of them. Devin Beatty is, uh, he's not going to be eligible for purchase. So <laughs> well, is it because he, he just are you, are you giving him free or free, uh, Mug is that why? No, there's that's no, pretty nothing, nice. Of nothing you. free for Devin. No. <laughs> that is it. He's his it. discounts plus fifty percent. Yeah, absolutely. That's funny. Um, so yeah, that wraps up all of our listener questions for tonight. That was great. That was a lot. That was a lot, and I loved it. And you guys don't always have to wait for us to make a you know like a post. You can always message us and be like, hey, I got a topic Heck for yeah. the next one. So now we're free to talk about what we want to talk about, and I guess we're gonna start off with a crazy dinner we did. Oh yes. Um. So. Got grilling on the pit boss, came up with a new recipe, wanted to try it out, and did like a venison ball roast. On the inside, I injected it with pineapple juice and a mixture of a little bit of barbecue sauce and some salt and some uh, some other generic seasonings. And then on the outside, I did a lot of butter in a, like a bowl. I started with a bunch of butter, then a bunch of kickaboo spices that we always use a promo code for because they're awesome. And then we added in a little bit of extra paprika and garlic powder and rubbed that out on the outside. And then we put on the top rack of the pit boss. On the bottom, we put a drip tray. So as this started cooking, the butter actually melted and got into the meat and then actually dripped down onto the drip tray. And when I was done, took the drip tray out, brought it inside, put it in a, a saucepan, slowly added to corn, uh, sorry, flour and water mixture and made a nice gravy out of it and the, the roast got pulled when it was at 130 which is a perfect rare for which is what we kind of love here at OOP and you know it was absolutely delicious perfect meal uh, by far my favorite ball roast I've ever cooked and so I think that was pretty cool also what I think is pretty cool is Cameron got a new product yes I just got my hands on a option archery equivalizer it's pretty Pretty badass. So I really like it. So for people that don't know what a quiverizer is, what is it? Quiverizer is a quiver and a stabilizer. That's how they got the name quiverizer. And basically, this is you know your regular stabilizer goes into the front of the riser, and this has a quiver which you can have five arrows on either left or right. Um, this one can actually be used as your regular quiver as well, so it can be in the upright position like your standard quiver or in the stabilizer mode. Uh, for me, the stabilizer option is going to be for, you know, moose hunting, potentially some some bear hunting if we're out on the hike. Um, turkey hunting, I'll use that. Uh, for tree stand hunting and blind hunting, I'm going to use it as a your standard quiver, and that's going to be in the upright position, and then I'll have my regular um, tap stabilizer on the front. So it, very cool. Um, they're a little bit pricey, but... You know what? They're built really great, and I mean, if you look at a tight spot quiver for $180, $190, you're getting almost two pieces here for an extra 60 So yeah, it was. Uh, I, I'm super happy to use it. Joe Rogan uses them. Adam Green Tree. Like I think they're a pretty cool idea. Yeah, I, I I'm really excited for this season with it. Yeah, and they look really cool. What kind of made you pique your interest in them? Um, so a good buddy of ours, BJ. Um, BJ Hunter Duchette on Instagram, he has three of them, which I'm about to post in the story, a really cool photo of because they look sweet 
and he's got three of them. Um, and he likes them. Like the, the actual feel of it when I felt it on his uh, RX-1, awesome. I just I loved the, the actual stability that it had and not having my arrows on the quiver because, you know, you're the same way. When you hunt, you take your quiver off. I take my quiver off as well, but this just had a feel of, you know, I, I don't need to remove my quiver. So the biggest thing is if I'm out backpacking, moose hunting, I got to pop that quiver off real quick because, you know, I don't shoot with it often. I got now got to take that off in spite of trying to get an arrow to that moose as soon as possible. Well, the stabilizer to me allows me to leave that on. I don't have to take the quiver off. I just, you know, I still have my knocked arrow and I'm good to go. So I, I've kind of just eliminated one step that mm. I don't want to think about through that process. Well, that's fair. I've always shot like in a tree stand. Sometimes I leave it on. Usually like stand though, I will take it off. Uh, when we were on the moose, I left it on and yeah, that's just me. But I, I understand where you're coming from. Like I think that's, I think it's cool that your arrows are right there. Yeah. And the cool thing about them is you can like BJ, you can put it on and what's the whole five arrows Four. Yeah. yeah. So five. So you can put five arrows on your stabilizer. And then I think BJ has a six arrow quiver. Yeah. So he can hold 11 arrows in his quiver on his bow. Yeah. So not that everyone's going to do that, but. No, but it's, you know, some guys that are like, you know, look at Green Tree. He's going in the woods for sometimes two weeks. Obviously, you know, if he's getting his food, it's going to be from some, he's not capturing it, right? It's, he's literally hunting it. So to him, 11 arrows is, 11 arrows is good. Yeah. No, I think they're I think they're cool, and I, what I like about them is, I think the standard model gives you twenty inches off the riser. It does, yeah. So twenty inches off the riser, which is if you carry your bows like us, which is put it on our shoulders. Um, stabilizer would be sticking out if you're, it's a right-handed bow. The stabilizer would be sticking out of your right shoulder. Yeah. Going forward, it's super comfortable to have a long stabilizer to hold on to, and so I always like that about the quiverizer. You got a nice long reach, super comfortable to carry your bow like that, and you know. Um, we have buddies with like eight and stabilized and they can't really do that. Yeah. So I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Comfort. That's, that's a great point. It is, uh, they've done really good. And I, I thank Dan tremendously for, uh, for, you know, sending the little note that he did in the package. It was just, you know, a, a thanks. It was a handwritten note, not something on the computer or whatever. Yeah. And on a card to just say, thank you. I really appreciate the purchase. And yeah. You know, that kind of stuff to me, that goes a long way. That would certainly bring me back to buy more product. Yeah, they have great customer service from what I've heard from other people too. Yeah. So that's always good. Saw your post you made. Looked pretty good, Cam Jam. You like that? I did. No, yeah, it's good. And uh, I was going to say, Cam, I don't think we've, uh, we haven't done a giveaway in a little while. I think it's time. I think it's time for a little giveaway. So we have, uh, we're going to do, we're going to do five giveaways. Ooh, let's hear the details. So. We're going to make a post for this podcast. Okay. And we're going to get you guys to be super interactive with us. If you want to get hats, stickers, bracelets, you know, all kinds of cool stuff. And I'm not going to mention what the fifth giveaway is going to be. It's going to be a surprise giveaway. Yes. And there's no mention of when that giveaway is going to be. But for the remaining four, you need to like our Instagram page, tag three friends, listeners, followers, and share the post so you can share this post via instagram via facebook or throw it in your instagram story as a screenshot will be suffice we want to make sure to tag us on it. just make sure to tag us you got to tag us um tag three other people and we will get out some cool swag to you guys 
Yeah, and I think this is a good way because, you know, we haven't done a giveaway in a little bit. And people and love free stuff. Yeah, people love free stuff, and, you know, we really love supporting our listeners. Mm-hmm. So on that note, we're handing out a bunch of free stuff, but, um, you know, we're giving out different stuff, like we said last time from the ATA show. Mm-hmm. And if you still want to get your hands on our OOP stickers, we still have those available for $5. Ship them out anywhere you guys are. So um, that actually really helps us out, and we're able to do you know more giveaways when people support us. So Yeah, represent, help us uh, get the name out there, and allow you to allow us to bring you guys some, some more and some better content. So if you guys like winning free stuff, we strongly suggest listening to the next episode. You know, right on the thing like we said, and uh, let's win some free stuff. We will see you guys next time on the OOP Podcast.